Welcome to She Should Know podcast with your hosts, Dr. Sara Hamida and Alima Sara Ahmed. You're sitting with a Muslim female physician and a Muslim female scholar, the co-directors of Empower Health, where we dive deep into all things related to women's wellness, mind, body, and soul, from our experiences and expertise. Let's get into it, y'all. These episodes are made possible through your donations. If you like the work we do, please become a sustainer at empowerhealth.org to magnify this work, educating, enabling, and empowering our community. That's E-M-P-O-W-H-E-R-Health.org. While these podcasts provide education from professionals, they cannot replace the medical advice of your personal physician. If you're experiencing health questions or concerns, be sure to seek medical attention. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Sara. Wa alaikum salam, Alima Sara. How you doing? You know, alhamdulillah. I feel a little nasally congested. Okay. So I'm I'm a little insecure about my about my podcast voice. No, the, po- <laughs> the podcast voice is gonna sound beautiful. <laughs> very nasty. But inshallah, you know, I'm uh, I'm very happy to be here. Alhamdulillah, I am too. Yeah. I think we had some very interesting uh, conversations this time around. Um, very as breast health is concerned. Yes. Uh, which is our topic for today, folks. Yeah. We're going to be focusing on breast health. Yeah. Um, breast cancer yeah. and the, you know, the relative um, connected issues related to cancer. So mm-hmm. what is your role in prevention and what does it mean for you downstream? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think right off the bat, um, something that like I went into this thinking I have a good grasp on most of what is discussed when it comes to breast health. Yeah. I find that there were so many moments where I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's how that is. Or that's how you go <laughs> about that. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, and I think I saw that in the room, too, with a lot of women. Um, For sure. I think right off the bat, one of the things that was so interesting to see is not knowing like when we are talking about breasts, what. In, is it entails the actual breast area oh yeah just right how large the breast area. tissue expands yeah. yes yes that yes yes very interesting to me because if we're talking about them yeah we're talking about their health and we're looking out for stuff are we even looking in the right places totally are we even encompassing totally what it means to yeah take care of you know breast wellness definitely so, definitely do you, what what did you do to uh help women kind of understand yes <laughs> <laughs> you know our uh, our our in person uh, class uh, or workshop attendees <laughs> had the benefit. I have this this habit of just standing up and and just pointing to myself. I think it's fantastic. I think hey, it's women in the room. You know what, women in the room. This is the life size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just like stand up and be the the implication. And you can imagine with women's health that can be a annoying thing. But anyhow, so yes. I think what I did basically was just kind of like put my hand up against my body and like raised it and asked women to like call out when they thought breast tissue was done, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which makes sense. Right. Because I think a lot of us really think about the um, the surface area and the region of breast tissue kind of ending where your pendulous breast mass hmm meet your pectoral muscles okay which is kind of mid chest right right yeah. but in reality the breast tissue area extends it has a tail mm. that comes up into the pec 
the upper pectoral region yeah. and almost like a like a triangle that comes up right. and meets at your um the you know armpit. where you're almost where the armpit goes and that's why right. when you're doing breast self breast exams mm-hmm. um at home that you should not forget that tissue kind of up closer to the armpit mm-hmm. and closer to uh, the area underneath your clavicle or your um your collarbone and that's all included as part of the breast. Correct, correct. That's very important because yes. at least at that, when you're looking, if you're not looking in the right places, you might miss something. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the whole reason why we decided to do the the um, an update on breast health was because USPSTF, the United States Preventative Services Task Force, which is the governmental agency responsible for um, supplying recommendations for preventative care measures. This is what informs your doctors. This is what informs individuals um, for what type of preventative services should be done, right? And so we talked a little bit about why a recommendation may be there or not be there. But essentially, USPSTF, this organization, they updated their breast cancer um, screening recommendations to meet an unusual trend they're seeing an increase in breast cancer in younger women and so that has been kind of a disturbing statistic that has been increasing since 2015 and it's been rising by two percent every year what's up with that so that is a very i mean really it's concerning that's the question obviously right right because like i think our generation is seeing more cancers we're seeing more colon cancers we're seeing more breast cancer, mm. um, and we have to kind of pan out and say why, right? Right. So um, I don't know. What are your theories? I'll just ask you. I'll p- ping it to you first. I immediately go to. I think we're living in a time where we're very aware of the products we use. Mm. There's so much. Like we're seeing so much put on the front of labels of like lotions, shampoos, what have you about mm. paraben free, this free, sulfur free. You know. So I think there's a hyper awareness and a huge market. And that's why you go to Target now and there's like three, four aisles of products because everyone is trying to grasp what's the healthiest way. What's the, you know what I mean? We're trying to. So I think that whilst there is that, I think that that just brought awareness to how much bad stuff is probably in these things. And I'm sure that that had an effect, has or has an effect um, I think we talk a lot about about microplastics, like plastics that we're drinking. Yeah, like you know, and I think um, the way we are treating just um, the earth and the way we get rid of our trash. Yeah, the idea of forever chemicals. You know, the yes. CDC just uh, published that study indicating, and this is something that we've known for a while, but right. that um, I I pronounce it sucralfate, but essentially a lot of the the ingredients, the artificial sweeteners. Mm-hmm have a direct correlation with <clears throat> with cancer-causing agents. And yeah. so we have known diet sodas are not good for you for a multitude of reasons, right? right. They increase your risk of diabetes. They increase the risk of, um, of obesity independent mm. of other, other factors in and of themselves. Just they themselves increase your body's response. And then in addition to that, we're also seeing an increased risk of cancer that comes from some of the other ingredients in these diet sodas. So like... I think we're living in a time where we have to start looking at our food mm-hmm. and drinks mm-hmm. and highly pro, uh, produced products that yeah. we're ingesting. Yeah, junk food. And think about what we're putting in our body. 
Mm-hmm. Our body is in the manner. We know that our body is a trust from Allah SWT. We know that we are responsible for taking care of it to the best of our ability. And I think that will definitely include, um, not to go off topic, but I think that, you know, in the Quran, even Allah says, like, to eat halal and tayyibah. Yeah. Like, eating halal is one thing, but a lot of people forget tayyibah, which is eating good food, right? Yeah. Eating that which is good for the body yeah. is actually part of that, too. You know? Yeah. So, did it look out look- the body? Does it look like it came from the earth? Right. How many steps before it got to your you know, yeah. your plate? Um, okay, so we realize that there is an increase in the amount of people or the younger group of people now getting cancer. Yeah. So therefore, bringing awareness to that is even more important, if anything, because we want them to know. However, I know that that's scary for people to hear. Sure. But... But how do we kind of balance that out? Because I think that something was mentioned along the lines of if there was any cancer to get, oh yeah, it would be breast cancer. Definitely, you know, yeah. So we don't want people to get scared necessarily by hearing that because we give them statistics and, and then they're everyone's panicking. So how do we yeah. kind of like, what do you say to as a doctor to kind of help the person to reassure people? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I've definitely. I mean, this is something I've always said. If I was to ever get a cancer, it would be breast cancer mm-hmm. because it is the most highly researched cancer out there we spend billions of dollars investigating it we understand the genes that are affecting it we understand we have um targeted therapies that are there for for women now i mean the name of the game is being early at the end of the day so regardless of whether or not we have the science and the medicine available to combat the cancer which you know alhamdulillah we have very very good tools you have to show up. You have to show up. Yeah. You still have to do your part. And so that is where the preventative side of things, the obligation to get your mammograms yeah. comes in. So coming back to the new recommendations, yes. so now it's including women uh, at 40 and up. Okay. What was it before? Previously, the hard and fast rule was 50 and up. Okay. Um, for a couple of reasons. The first one was that breast tissue, um, when you're premenopausal, so un usually below the age of 50, when you're still ovulating, your breast tissue is a little bit denser, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that leads to the mammogram not having the easiest time getting a good picture. Right. So the mammogram technology, which is essentially just Mm x-ray, does a much better job of looking at the breast tissue once your breasts have, um, for lack of a better word, they kind of thinned out a little bit. You know. <laughs> they've got they've got to pass the peak point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life happens. They've th- they've thinned out a little bit, and then that <laughs> tissue is a little less dense. Yes, um, in the postmenopausal woman, right, right? So, and then before it was, you know, women who were age forty to fifty. It was mm-hmm. like if you want to go ahead, it was kind of an indeterminate recommendation, right? right. Or if you have a family history of breast cancer, yeah. you still have a strong recommendation to get to start your mammograms 10 years earlier than the age of the family member who was diagnosed. Okay. Does that make sense? So if your mom was diagnosed at 53, right, you would start your mammograms at 43. At 43. Got it. Yeah, oh, that's really good to know. Yeah, but now the recommendation is family history or not, all all women age 40 and up should be getting mammograms every other year. That's the recommendation now. So we talked a little bit also about the variety of recommendations. Yeah. And why people may hear different things from different people, different health professionals. Mm -hmm. And so we talked a little bit about specifically breast cancer. So 
um, you know, all the different stakeholders that are engaged in breast cancer and breast health. You've got cancer doctors that care and make their recommendations. You've got uh, breast surgeons who care and make their recommendations. You've got OBGYNs who care and make their recommendations. And then you've got family physicians or other primary care doctors that also. And so each one of these groups of physicians will have their own respective professional societies. And so they will probably issue their own recommendations. And it is the job of USPSTF to take all of that info, look at the meta picture, the big Big picture, and decide they have to weigh the harms versus the pros. Yeah. Because not all screening is good screening. That's true. Because sometimes you can find something that then leads you down a rabbit hole that is actually not useful. Right. Or it's creating stress because you're afraid of breast cancer. And in reality, you know, it wasn't it wasn't anything. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of women are experiencing they themselves have like found a lump or something like that and then gotten real, real nervous. I think that's the biggest part here is like I personally know people who just because of a fear they just waited and waited and i think that you were saying like key here is like go in early yeah earlier you go in the thing that you're fearing right will come to fruition or may come to fruition we don't even know what it is right you know right and i think that's another piece here too is um confusion between what you're feeling mm. and i think that i kind of what we got to at the end of um, okay, when you're when you're self-examining or feeling something or experiencing a tenderness or what have you, we jump to conclusions very quickly. Yeah. Um. And so, regardless of whether you're worried about it or not, like, or you're sure that it's something or it's nothing, the only way to reach surety is to go get checked. Right. Is to go to the professional. To going. Go to the professional. Yeah. yeah. That is the peace of mind that you can do for yourself. Absolutely. And I will say, you know, I'm I'm just speaking, you know, candidly. I, there were periods of time I had indications for a mammogram and an ultrasound yeah. a couple years ago, yeah. and so I will say my experience was exceptional. Well, you know, when you go to these breast centers, yeah, I think those the people who are working at those centers. Number one, in my experience, and I, you know, this is anecdotal. It was all women. Yeah, it was all women. Yeah, and number two. Um, they were all just so supremely aware of the fear that comes associated with this. And so they are, you're just greeted with a lot of empathy and care and you're robed in a way that is makes you feel dignified. Mm. Um, I was extremely impressed, you know, so. Yeah. I think that's part of the fear. Right. The discomfort with going to 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 get checked yeah i think that i i mean i can definitely say coming from pakistani culture i know for a fact for us as women you know with certain kind of shames around body and just um even when even if it's medical yeah right, there's hesitancy right to go and get checked because you're going to have to expose your body yes. to a doctor you're going to they may need to touch certain areas and so um, unfortunately, I think that that's that's not a good thing because we we already have hindrances. We're already scared. We're already nervous to go, and then to add to that this layer of, you know, not wanting to 
not knowing what that exposure will look like going right to the doctor what it's going to feel like you right. know, already assuming it's going to be a certain kind of way so it's very comforting hearing an experience um especially coming from a, a physician uh and to have a positive experience and note those things hopefully that is the experience that right most women have, yeah you know if inshallah inshallah and i i think at the end of the day you know we also have to advocate for our own comfort. And if there's an institution where you're not feeling great or you don't feel respected, you know, at the at minimum, you can ask for a different provider, yeah. a different nurse, a different assistant, different individual who works within that that location. If on the whole, the 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 clinic site doesn't make you feel comfortable, you know, check your insurance and see if you can move to a different location right. because comfort is very important because you need to follow up. Follow-up is key. Yep, 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 yep. SubhanAllah. I think there's a lot of intimidation on that, those that are like, um, because I think, I don't know, I feel like it's it's, it's like healthcare professionals, they, sometimes for people, they're like untouchable. Like, you know, like, so there's an intimidation to change totally. the person. Yeah. To, what if I don't find something better? What if I'm, you know, this yeah. is the best it gets? What if this is the normal experience? Yeah. What if, because this is all, what are they comparing it to? <laughs> For sure. Well, I will say, you know, you you never have to do that type of work face to face. Okay. Right. So it's yeah. okay if you want to change doctors yeah. and to do it, you know, behind closed doors. Yeah. I have definitely been in positions where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to deal with this particular um, individual. Yeah. We're going to close this session and yeah. I will never be back. I will never be back. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you know what that's important for for I think listeners to hear is if you have something that made you feel uncomfortable don't settle yeah see what else is out there for you absolutely take that opportunity um even if you don't have anything to judge it by you know is this just how it's supposed to be I think that we have good gut feelings we understand what is positive and what is negative yeah um we you sh- if you don't feel taken care of and that your your health and priority and your comfort was um, it was prioritized. If you don't feel that way, then you're right to feel that way. Yeah. You're not wrong to feel that way. And you're right to to make a, a, a change accordingly. Yes. Yeah. That's important. Yes, absolutely. So I think the reason why this is really important is because that gap between the screening mammogram and then the follow-up right. is a big one, wow. right? Yeah. So one of the things that we reviewed in the class um, was that we have this also very disturbing statistic about women of color Mm. who have a significantly higher mortality Mm. from breast cancer despite the exact same rates of screening mammograms. And so where do we as Muslims kind of tackle that gap? Because I think a lot of times when we think about um, racial demographics and people of color, we don't always necessarily think about high education you know, middle or middle class Muslim Americans who are also fitting that demographic. And maybe it's a different set of reasons yeah. why that gap is still existing. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I, I, you said that you know somebody who, who waited. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, uh, on my in-law side of the family. Yeah. And she felt some way. Yeah. And, didn't get it checked out because she was scared yeah. and waited 10 years. Oh, and why wow. then was the word mis- metastasized? Uh, metastasized. Yes. Um, it spread. It had spread to yeah. her spine in her case, and she had to have nerve endings cut during the surgical procedure. 
And it ended up uh, being that she now has to learn how to walk again. Wow. As the nerve endings grow back and what have you. But it got to that point where she had no choice but to go in to the hospital. She had to be housed. Like, we waited, you know. And they all said the same thing. They're like, if you had come in earlier, had you come in earlier, had you come in? And alhamdulillah, for her, she is getting better. She is healing. She's doing great. Yeah, yeah. alhamdulillah. It's taken like six months. We're nearing the end of a year now, actually. Yeah. Where she's finally taking steps again. But all of that perhaps could have been prevented. Yeah. And this is an educated individual. Very well educated. Knows the risks. Knows everything. Yeah. Knew everything, too. Yeah. It was literally the fear of going in to hear that news. Yeah. That she did not go. Yeah. And family members. I mean, what was y'all's role, like, in that interim? How did you navigate that? And the thing is, she didn't tell anybody. Oh, She didn't that to herself, how she was feeling, how she, and the fact that she was avoiding, until she literally collapsed and was not walking. And then went to the hospital, and then all of this came to the table. Right. Everyone was obviously very, you know, frustrated. Right. Why didn't you? But she's like, this is exactly why. <laughs> you know? And so what do you do after the fact? You, so you're supporting the person. Yeah. You're, you're helping them get back. I think from that, I made a phone call to my mom. I was like, mom, make sure you go for your yearly mammogram. Make sure you go get checked because I know my own mother. Like, yes. This is my in-law side. I know my own mother has that same, like, fear of going to the doctor kind That's of situation. Um, and I'm like, I don't care how scared you are. <laughs> I'd be more scared as your daughter to lose you or to hear bad news f- down the line. Yeah. You not going this year affects me too. Yeah. Because I will worry yes. about things that I don't know. Yes. When we could give, you could give all of us peace. There's so many people who care about you. Yes. Yes. So yes. go for us if you're not for yourself. Yes, for sure. And also, and I think we need to touch on this, your breast health is important to our breast health as your daughters. That's right. That's that exactly right. That's a giant role is like one of the primary factors of of your breast cancer risk, mm-hmm. right? So one of the tools that we had the women in the room do is they, they calculated their own individual breast cancer risk, Yeah. right? So for any listeners, if you go to bcrisktool.cancer.gov, um, you can, you know, type in the the information that you know that's relevant to you and take a look at, at your calculated risk. Um, and it's compared to the the broader society. Okay. Okay. So the the population at large. So that's the that's the caveat you have to to keep in mind. And then the other important thing is that it does not account for individuals who may have that BRCA one or BRCA two gene, which are those are the genetic uh, abnormalities okay. that predispose women to breast cancer. So, um, what should you be doing with that information? You know. Your best bet is to ask your mom if there's breast cancer in the family, yeah. right? And specifically through your maternal lineage. Yes. Okay. Okay, got it. I think that, if anything, this tool probably also just helps you to understand what questions you should be asking. Yeah. What What are you supposed to be thinking about when right. considering your risks for yeah. such a thing? Um, and like you said, sitting down with the you know, matriarch of the family and kind of going through your lineage like, hey, what's our what's up with our, you know, our family? Right. You know, what, yeah. What who had what? The unfortunate thing is that like especially amongst um Muslims, you know, I worked at a practice where I saw a very, very large number of Muslim Americans from various ethnic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed is that often in the immigrant story 
um, there is a there's like a self-sacrificing that takes place or a mentality amongst these women. And I think there are a large number of women in our community who did not pay attention to their own health. Yeah. And their own care and their own and they don't know. And we would never know either. Then. Their family history. Exactly. Oh, wow. Um, and so they they struggle to be able to give that information to their children. Uh, wow. Well, it has to start somewhere. Yeah. So I think at the very least, find, find out what you can from who, who you can. Yeah. But then prioritize. That gives you even more reason to prioritize your history and understanding and keeping track of your health and records and medical records. You know, um, for the next generation, inshallah, to come, you know, and, and for other family members, for your sisters, for, you know, just just do that absolutely people around you if you didn't have it then be the one to provide it absolutely and then to like understand your modifiable risks yeah right so what are the things that you can do yes to reduce your risk yes number one above and beyond is going to be um quitting smoking if you're a smoker that's top of the list top of the list okay is to not smoke uh vaping hookah yeah stuff that all falls under this (laughs) so uh, i'm trying to think more like Culturally speaking, yeah, I think it's more common for the 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 men to be the smokers, right. and the women to maybe be more like the hookah, right? You know, very true, super true. So I think in that mm. you have to be mindful of the secondhand smoke that you're receiving, ah, right? It's very true. from any male family members that might be smoking, very true, or the environments that you're in. Yeah, there are a lot of folks who um who may not be partaking yeah in hookah but frequently in the the room room. yeah right yeah so um so that is a that is a modifiable risk um and there is uh you know in a study of the um the literature i i did not find any specific studies looking at hookah and breast cancer as it relates to one another got it however there are plenty of studies that demonstrate the equal um amount of risk other diseases so i think it is very safe yeah yeah, it's very safe to assume that hookah has the same um risk factors if you're a regular smoker Mm -hmm. um to to a cigarette smoker yeah as far as that risk you know and subhanallah you find those chemicals like those chemicals in that tobacco is actually it shows up in your cervical mucus no way yeah what yeah, it shows up in your cervical mucus. So it increases your risk for cervical cancer as well. SubhanAllah. Yeah. Of, I mean, amongst, you know, all of the bodily cancers, smoking but, is your number one yeah, 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 modifiable yeah. risk. But factor. then to know, like, how, like, to see the effects of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? To literally see oh the, the stuff that's in the tobacco show up in your cervical mucus mm. is crazy. Mm-hmm. Right? It's important to say that because I think a lot of times these things are just in the air like yeah it happens it's bad for you you know yeah even saying things like this cancer is good but when you get specific and you say that no your cervical mucus yes you will see it in that yeah that creates this it's tangible it's real real. yeah you know pick better recreational (laughs) (laughs) well how alcohol will probably be in there too no absolutely so alcohol is a is another breast breast cancer risk factor so alhamdulillah you know that's hey Haram for a reason. Haram for a reason. For sure. That's right. SubhanAllah. Yeah. That shows reminds me of the verse of the Quran that, you know, it just says that there are certain things that may have a little bit of good in them, but the harm is greater than the good. So even those who will say, because I don't know, I see studies all the time that say like, 
alcohol one cup a day or something you know it'll alter the you know and create a good energy or whatever like you know health wise yeah and then and then i'm like even if that is true the things that have even this much good that you can make this much of an excuse for that there's some study out there the harms outweigh the good yeah you know and and the way islam functions is to cut certain harms off from the root especially those which are intoxicating right especially those that are addicting in their nature yes we're thinking long term here yes cut it from the you know, and um, what what's so interesting is that people are always, and even still to this day, they're still referencing, oh, I, th- I thought red wine is good for your heart, no. right? And that particular study was disproven wow. several years ago. Wow. So, um, so you can't even say that there are cardiovascular benefits from even red wine because um, that's been re-studied. You know what? And it's just sad because we live in a culture where both of those things, like every movie that you see, every the things that are still made cool today or the thing to do, you wind down with yeah, a glass of red wine. Yeah. And and it's still so, it's so portrayed. If you don't drink, what do you do on right. the weekend? Right. You don't, how do you pass your time? Yeah. You know? So it's still almost like peer pressure to live a certain kind of lifestyle. And and it's just sad that that is how we function when we know that these are top killers. These are top harms for the body. And yet we still, you know, what is it? Sugarcoat or yeah. idolize them or yeah. put them up, you know. As it, it is interesting, though, that they are seeing that Gen Z is consuming less alcohol than any other generation. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, and, and now I'm noticing with TikTok um, and Reels that there is an increasing... Um, there's a little there's a little corner of TikTok all dedicated to like mocktails are now hmm? front of the the new thing. The you new know, you saw something like that too. Yeah, a lot more people coming out with their sobriety yes. and the reasons why yes. they stopped drinking, yes. what their journey is like, and that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, if that's the direction. I think I recently heard that there's um there are a couple of mocktail bars. Uh huh. I saw that too in New York. You know, like these wow. are. This is definitely. There's a trend yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. I do think there's a societal trend moving away from alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in I many mean, respects, hopefully, it comes from the years of you know watching your older generation suffer. Yeah, from things like addiction, right? Abusing people because they're always intoxicated, being right. members of the family, and right? Have you? And hopefully, that is the effect. I think obviously with the social media, you have this ripple affect very quickly people a lot of people are getting this information at the exact same time so Mm -hmm. people are able to witness so many people of the same sort at the same time going through the same thing and you're like oh wow this is real people telling their stories and it blows up and it and it goes viral and everyone's seeing that so i think that is hopefully a pro to yeah and i would say specific to the alcohol and again this is a little bit of a digression from the breast cancer talk Mm -hmm. but I think as our generation is getting more comfortable talking about mental health, we are also getting more comfortable talking about the coping mechanisms that people were using to cover up their mental health concerns. You know, a lot of people self-medicate anxiety and depression with alcohol. Yes. And um, and I think as people are now feeling more open and willing to seek treatment in the form of therapy, in the form of, um, you know, other group, um, other aspects, you know, contemplative practices like yeah. meditation. Yeah. Um, we're 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 not putting a bandaid on it anymore. Regulating. We're not at least we're not shoving it under the rug and not talking about it. Yes, we're working on it. Yes, and part of that journey then becomes you know really looking in the face of like the substances in your life, 
Um, and I think for a lot of Muslims, and I'll say it, I'm about to say it, uh, there are a lot of Muslims I know that are self-medicating with, with marijuana mm -hmm. as opposed to alcohol for, you know, obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. But again, it comes back to that concept of like, what are you covering up? Yep. And what are you trying to self-medicate? Yep. It's the same thing. Yeah. You're not getting to the source of the problem. You're going to avoid that and brush it under the rug. And I think that that's very true. You brought up a great point. The awareness for mental health is is creating a huge shift, I believe, in the, the self-work. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to support the She Should Know podcast and the work we do at Empower Health, hit that subscribe button and share this episode with someone else that should know. To catch the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at empower underscore health. That's E-M-P-O-W-H-E-R underscore health. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.